0: Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network, and you can find the What Podcast as part of the Blazer's Edge podcast Beat. So if you want to find more What, hop on over to Blazer's Edge on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts, and twice a month you will hear the What Podcast. So we've got a terrific guest this week. I can't wait to share our conversation with Brooke Olsendam, who's a sideline reporter for the Portland Trailblazers. But before we get to that, let me welcome Kendall co-host of this podcast Kendall we have lots to cover in a little time
1: yes we do
0: it's amazing how much stuff is going on with the NBA right now injuries trades locker room dysfunction this weekend and that was just this weekend alone yeah. so <laughs> there is so much going on
1: the lead is never short of drama
0: that is true it just never it just never uh, quits giving yeah um, let's let's Just mention the injuries first. I don't want to go into it too deeply. It feels like every time we do this, we're like, man, there's a lot of injuries. And then we're like, well, there's not really more than normal. I'm starting to feel like there's more than normal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I try to go back and forth. Um, I think I don't feel like necessarily there's way more than normal, but it's mostly just it's happening to star players. Mm -hmm. So it's happening to the players that we're hearing about more. So I think that's just we are hearing about it more often now. It's not just, oh, this bench player got hurt. It's like the starter and the star of the team got hurt. So people are paying a lot more attention to it this year.
0: You know, I was actually trying to find out. I'm like, I now I'm kind of obsessed with answering this question <laughs> about <laughs> how many injuries there are this year compared to uh, last year or previous seasons. And I admit, I didn't spend a ton of time on it, but I did, I tried to find somewhere where I could easily see the amount of time lost due to injuries. Because like you can go on like a million like betting sites and they'll tell you who's injured right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can go to Basketball Reference and they have like the live injury report. But when I tried to look at this year's injury report and compare it to last year's injury report, that didn't exist they didn't have a summary of last year's injury report which I don't I haven't given up looking for it yet but I looked all over that site and I could not find any previous year's report I did find one article by a guy named uh, Jeff Stotts who uh, writes for a blog called in street clothes which is really good have you ever read that before
1: I haven't actually
0: so I don't know if he's a doctor or if he's just somehow involved in the medical field but he like every time there's a major injury he'll kind of explain like what's going on physically when an injury like that happens and anyway at the end of the season he'll do like a graphic that shows which teams lost the most time to injury or the least time to injury and things like that so I was able to find like a season summary but it didn't show like You know, compared to the year before and the year before that. It's just, it's really hard to find this information. Yeah. It's a conspiracy.
1: Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. They're trying to hide all their players getting injured.
0: Well, or maybe the player, I mean, I know that, you know, when players are going to another team, they get medical information and stuff. But maybe it is something that they just don't want out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, like... The NBA isn't quite as dangerous as, say, like the NFL or something, but I don't think st- still leads don't want it necessarily super public of, oh, this is dangerous and people are getting hurt. So I think they try to, like, limit how that, like, they don't hide it, but they don't make it easily accessible.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to rest until I, so expect this is going to be a continuing update <laughs> as, as, I, as I dive into it because it also seems to me that this year, like, that they're, um, and it could be completely anecdotal. Again, I need to check it. But it seems like there's a lot of concussion protocol going on this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I hate to bring the NFL again, but um, I think that also has to do kind of with the NFL and with all the stuff that's going on over there with all of their concussion issues. Um, so I think that just concussions in general, I think just among sports, people are starting to look at them a lot more seriously than they used to. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good that they're doing that. Yeah, they're, they're they're finally kind of realizing how serious concussions can be and how long term they can like long term damage that they can cause
0: right well anyway, I wanted to just mention it and I wanted to just say Van Boogie and Andre Roberson and let's see, who else in the last, you know, forty eight hours?
1: John Wall. Oh is out. what happened to John Wall? I just He's having surgery in his knee. Uh Kevin Love just broke his hand a couple of <gasps> minutes ago. <laughs> he's out He for, did? He's out for two months. Um
2: oh. so yeah, that's
1: gonna hurt the tabs a lot. Not that they need anything more negative to happen to them. Okay, but well,
0: did Kevin Love Punch. Did he punch something? Please say he didn't no, punch it was, something. No, it was
1: in the game. <laughs>
0: oh, thank God.
1: Yeah, they're, they're playing right now.
0: Because so. uh, who was it? One of the Morris twins just broke his hand, didn't he? Or somebody from, uh, somebody broke his hand for punching, uh, punching a picture.
1: Oh. On the wall. No, I didn't hear about that.
0: Okay, I'll have to, I'll find out who that is. Um, <laughs> um anyway, yeah, I just I I don't know. Also like they were you know, they made changes to the schedule this year to try to make it less fatiguing on their bodies. And I don't know, they're still getting hurt.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a to contact sport. <laughs> I guess that's what we signed up for being fans it's nice. and got deal with injuries. And, yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like it's a lot more this year, but um, I don't know. I haven't really bought into it too much that it's more injuries. It's just it's happening to star players this year, um, and it doesn't usually happen this often to star players. Um, but
0: Well, I'm not going to rest until I've found the answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we move on to the next topic?
1: Yeah, we should jump into the trade talk.
0: Yeah, so the big one. Um, have you? Do you have any opinions or have you heard any particularly interesting analysis about what's uh, the Blake Griffin trade? Because that's really the one that's on the mind today. What's today? We should put some context. Today's Tuesday mm-hmm. and Blake Griffin has been traded and um, uh, Miritich almost got traded to yes. New Orleans, but that one didn't happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So why don't you uh, talk about the Blake Griffin trade?
1: Well, I think um, what's interesting about this is w- clearly what the Clippers are doing right now is they're trying to make way for LeBron next year. And there is no chance that LeBron is going to go uh, join the Clippers next year. So I think that, I don't know, I think it's kind of risky because they get rid of their star player who they basically just begged to sign a, a bid contract. He signed for five years and then they trade him immediately. And to somewhere like Detroit, which anyone who knows anything about Blake Griffin knows he loves L.A., he loves living here, he has always said he wants to stay in L.A., and after this whole, after he signed his contract, he said, I want to retire in L.A., I want to be a lifelong Clipper, and then they trade him to Detroit. So going from sunny L.A. to whatever you want to call Detroit, which I've been to Detroit a couple of times. It's not it's not the greatest not place, <laughs> and it's definitely... Yeah, and the weather's not great, and it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not L.A., and um, so that's rough. But as far as the actual trade, when you look at just basketball, I think that it was a pretty smart trade on both sides because I, um, I think putting Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin together, I think that's going to be pretty solid. I don't think it's necessarily... I don't think it's going to put them in the top three or four in the East, but it will definitely get them to the playoffs, uh, which as of right now, I don't even think they're in the playoffs. I don't think they're even in the top eight in the East. Um, so that will definitely help them. And as far as the Clippers, everyone's saying, oh, they lost Blade. They didn't get anything back. They got a, draft, a nice draft pick. They got... Tobias Harris, who's been doing very well this year, and then they got Avery Bradley, who Avery Bradley, I think, is one of the most underrated players in the league. He's one of the best defensive guards in the league, and that's something that guards in the league always get kind of... They get dragged on a lot for not being good defensively, typically. That's always the lead point of guards, and he's so great defensively, but he doesn't get credit for it. And people in the league say all the time he's one of the hardest guards or he's one of the best defensive guards in the league. He's one of the hardest people to play against because of that. So I think that when you're looking at it, I think it was a pretty good trade. Um, It sucks for Blake mm-hmm. and it sucks for Clippers fans, however many of them there are left. Um, but yeah, I was out of Clippers game recently. I noticed there are not very many of them. Um, But, I think that overall, when you just look at purely just the basketball aspect, I think it was a pretty good trade. It was surprising, but I think it was very good.
0: I think it was exciting, and it just really kicked off the, uh, the the season. I think that in the short term, I think Blake Griffin's going to have stuff to prove. And so I think that he's going to uh, give them a pretty good lift right away, because I think he's going to be mad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, players playing with purpose, they, uh, you know, can really uh, make a big difference. So I think... He's even though he's fragile, he's a guy who's often injured a lot. He's also getting a little bit older. I think at least for this year, it'll give him a give him give him a boost until the end of the year. But I don't know what they're going to do with the next four years of his contract. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and then I he's he's stuck there for a while. So that's what sucks is if he's there and happy there, he he's there for a while. Yeah, and by the time he his contract is up, he's what? How is how old is Blake right now? Ooh, I don't know. How I much. think he is. He is 28, so he's gonna be 32, 33.
0: Yeah.
1: By the time his contract's up, I don't see him being LeBron level when he's 33. So I don't. no. <laughs> so I think that he, when this is over or whatever, like the con- the next contract he signs is probably gonna be his last contract. Mm-hmm. So. He's kind of playing a position now where, like, this is the last time he's gonna be like, kind of in his prime, playing for a team. And now he's with Detroit, and I—that's not where he wants to be. So I think that, I think he's trying to realize that. If you've seen, he came out and posted a thing on Twitter earlier today, and I—I think he handled it very well and stuff. I think that he understands, mm-hmm. and I think that he will make the most of it. But it's still—it's still hard to see yeah. that, um, especially how they went about signing him again, because he w- wasn't necessarily going to sign with them again, and they, they, I don't know if you've heard the story of what they did.
0: Yeah, they did it. the whole, this is your life, and they yeah they shirt raised... with him on, like, with all of the, you know, pioneers
1: of... Yeah, and they, and they... <laughs> They brought him in the Staples Center and they raised his jersey. They lowered the lights and raised his jersey and said, "You're going to be a lifelong Clipper and this is where we want your jersey. We want to retire your jersey." And we and they did this whole thing and he signed. And then they trade him. What? Not even six months later? Or you know I, I about want. six months later?
0: I want the job of the person who it is who does all those like pitches I mean I don't really want to be the person who like gets blamed if they don't but I want to be the person who like coordinates the whole thing because they do some wild stuff during free agency you know with Kevin Durant and the virtual reality classes and I think it would be fun to be in on that like okay this is what we're gonna do and you just like get your orders and you're like what (laughs) it would be so interesting to be in on that
1: yeah I mean this like this uh, summer for free agency is going to be really interesting. And I, I think especially you bring people like LeBron James in and you see, what's he going to do? He's not right. just going to... He'd sign somewhere and go quietly. Yeah. I mean, the How last you- time he was in free agents, the last time he was a free agent, he did... Or the, when he had the whole decision come out. And like, whatever he does this summer is going to be better than that. So, um, yeah, I think that that... This summer, I'm definitely looking forward to this summer. It's going to be very exciting with free agency.
0: You know, it's so interesting because, you know... Recently, with F's people, you know, pundits and talking heads have been trying to figure out what the trade deadline is going to be like, what free agency is going to be like, and they're all going, oh, it's going to be very quiet because nobody has any money because everybody overspent two years ago, and people were pretty sure that there's not going to be these big earth-shaking moves and stuff, and then, boom, things happen, and I just, I think that we just constantly underestimate the creativity of front offices and Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see, I I have this feeling that some whole new strategy is coming that we can't, we haven't even seen yet that like some front office guy is going to figure like if if we pack it or woman, if we package this with this and do this crazy thing, then we can, you know, maneuver things like that. And then someone's going to just do something that's going to blow all of our minds and go, I can't believe somebody thought to do that. And I, I think the, it's going to be necessitated by the lack of space. Like it's, it, it's been a couple of years since the teams were so restrained. And so they're going to have to be, get creative again, but under a different CBA and in a different uh, climate. So I can't wait to see what happens. You're right. It's going to be really mm-hmm. fun. Well, let's move on to the last thing before uh, we do our interview. And that is locker room dysfunction. In mm-hmm. Cleveland <laughs> Now yeah. I love The soap opera that is The Cleveland team As long as nobody's get, I, I hope people honestly like aren't getting hurt over this I, I wouldn't like that But y- you might not remember it But this is like Basically, the the uh, drama Dallas was like basically about, you know, uh, it's about Dallas was about this big oil man and how he was manipulating everybody and the family and bringing all these people in. And it's like basically the plot to the Cavs locker room right now. Mm-hmm. But I have been just burning uh, with something all day. And I want you to tell me if I'm overreacting. And it has to do with the uh, the team meeting that they had about Kevin Love, so to recap what happened and step you know stop me if I got it wrong, but I've read it in a few different places. so what happened not this past weekend, I think, but the weekend before, Kevin Love got sick uh shortly after a game started, and he left the arena and went home and then the next day he didn't go to practice shortly thereafter. team had a game and after the game there was what was characterized as a contentious team meeting now I think I can't remember I think it was Woj who was was it Woj who was tweeting about it whoever was tweeting about it was probably (laughs) he was basically like live tweeting this meeting and I'm like has anyone looked around and noticed that like Woj is in the corner with his phone like tweeting this whole thing because they were like talking about what they were talking about in this meeting so I was like that's weird Um, but so they had this meeting where apparently the players brought it up that they wanted to know what was up with Kevin Love like why did he leave and where did he go and it was characterized as like them basically calling out Kevin Love and Kevin Love having to explain what happened to him so that's kind of where things were for a few days and we were all like Wow, Isaiah Thomas is picking on Kevin Love and blah, 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 blah. So today, a report comes out about how it wasn't so much that the players were picking on Kevin Love. It was that the players hadn't been told by the front office what had happened to their teammate. And that there was no communication going on between the front office and the coaching and the players. So Hmm. that comes out today. And I'm going, wait a minute. I'm calling total baloney on that. That is total baloney. Like, you're telling me that nobody could have just, like, sent Kevin Love a text and been like, Hey, Kevin, noticed you left the game early. Are you okay? Like, why didn't anybody text him? That's been driving me crazy all day.
1: Yeah, it's... I don't know. I feel like every time I hear something, everything is just... Like, everything contradicts itself. Every report I hear... And I think that, like, it doesn't even matter at this point what's true. I think just the whole situation is just so ridiculous. And I don't know. I, I've been saying all week. I or I guess it's only Tuesday. I've been saying since the meeting. <laughs> it
0: feels uh, like a week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I've been saying since, the, like, we heard about the meeting is I would love to know, like, what LeBron said. Because we haven't heard anything that LeBron said supposedly during this meeting. Oh, you're right. Which that's weird to me because usually he's the first person you're going to hear about, and instead you're hearing Isaiah Thomas is saying this, and Tevin Love was saying this, and this, and they're going saying all these people, but nothing has come out about what LeBron has said. So that makes you wonder: like, is it was he just sitting there? Because I find it hard to believe that he just sat there and didn't talk.
0: Oh, I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it.
1: So I think that's interesting. He was writing Hoja's
0: tweets for him, maybe. I don't know. <laughs>
1: if, but I think that's interesting because if... And this is kind of looking into it um, a little bit, but I think that if he really didn't, like, get super involved in that conversation, I think that that, that is a clear sign that, like, he's kind of... He's stepped out a little bit
2: Yeah,
1: and that team, and he's just kind of over it, which I think is already kind <laughs> of clear. But... Um, I think that that's definitely like that is proof right there. If, if he really didn't say anything, which obviously we don't know for sure, but um, from this, the way it sounds, it sounds as if he kind of stayed out of it.
0: Good point. Uh, By the way, I looked up who it was who broke his hand. It was Marcus Smart, not one of Morris brothers. Anyway, let's move on to the main portion of our podcast this week, our interview with Brooke Olsendam. She, like we said, is a sideline reporter for the Portland Trailblazers. And in this conversation, we got to learn more about growing up around basketball, more about life on the road, and hear her welcome to the NBA moment. It was a really fun time talking to her You can tell that she's really passionate about both basketball and telling stories. And we hope you all will enjoy our talk with Brooke Olsendam.
1: Well, thank you for
2: joining us today, Brooke. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm so happy to be here. This is long overdue and uh, talking about basketball with women, uh, that's about the best thing in the world for me. So thank you for having me. Yeah, of course.
1: So we're gonna jump right into the questions. Um, so, what exactly got you into sports in the first place, and kind of basketball specifically?
2: Sure. Um, actually, I think I've told Tara this about this before, but my uh, my dad was a high school boys basketball coach in Washington State for thirty seven years. I'm, I think I'm right on that. And so, I really grew up with it. Um, I was go- I went to his practices. I pretty much grew up in the gym. I, his games were about the most exciting thing for me. I sat right behind him. And I ended up playing basketball because of my love for it, too. I wasn't, I wasn't all that great. I shot a lot of threes. That was the only thing I could do. I didn't play defense, which is a terrible thing. Don't preaching that. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, play defense. I mean, our trailblazers right now are a great example of why defense wins games. So that's probably why I didn't make it all that far as a player, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, being on a team is just about the best thing. I think I learned so much about myself and life in general when you're a part of a team. So, basketball was my first love. My dad and I watched NBA games growing up, my room was absolutely covered in posters, like all my other girlfriends had, did not have anything like that. They'd come over, they're like, what is this? I'm like, what? I love David Robinson. I love Sean Kemp. I love Clyde Drexler, you know, whatever. So that was just, it was instilled in me. And we, watching games with my dad was just one of the things that really bonded us too. So basketball was always my first love in the NBA for sure. I also love college basketball, but NBA comes first. And then I went on to study broadcast news at uh, Washington state. And that is where I got to combine my two Loves basketball and telling stories, so it was kind. Of, that's kind of the short version. I mean, we'd be here all night if I told you every little detail, but that's the gist of it.
0: That's awesome. We actually were wondering a little bit more about um, the path that you took because I know before you were in Portland, you had a couple of stops along the way. But could you give us some of the highlights of some of the different parts of the country and the different types of things that you've covered over the years?
2: Absolutely. Uh, so right out of college. I kind of—I had an interesting path. I started out—you you, know—you can go kind of go two different ways when you're uh, working in television, on camera. You can go to a small market and work your way up, and I, I think that is a fantastic way to do it. I—my parents are both teachers, so I didn't really have anyone to talk to uh, outside of you know my fellow students uh, at Washington State on what really to do. So I kind of went a weird route, which is par for the course in my life. Everything is pretty unorthodox <laughs> over here. I went to Fox Sports Northwest um, in Seattle. It's now Root Sports, and their, their main thing is the Mariners. That you, probably, you guys probably know. And so I went there and just started at the bottom. I, I logged tape, that, which was fun for me. That, that meant I got to watch games. And then I edited, I produced, I did a bunch of different things that uh, really kind of got me into the field. And I would go out and I would shoot stand-ups with um, some mm-hmm. of the people that, already had, that were already on camera. And that was really helpful for me because I got to put things together and then go show my executive producer exactly like what, how I was doing and if I could get better at it. And he'd say, maybe work a little bit on this and that the other. And I just kind of pestered him until he uh, finally gave me my first job, which was uh, volleyball, college volleyball at University of Washington. So that was my first live action. And then kept pestering him until he put me on football and basketball. And then a magazine show on the University of Washington Athletics. And that led me to uh, a really fun show. One of my favorite things was Running with the Pack. Back when I was the Pac-10. And with that show, I got to produce it and and host it. And I got to go to every Pac-10 school once a week and do a lot of fun features. Like, it wasn't necessarily all football, basketball, baseball. It was gymnastics or golf or anything that was kind of a fun feature story. So I love that job because I got to go to these fun college towns when in the Pac-10 and now Pac-12. They are really super, like, the college towns is what I love. The Pullmans, of course, I love. Um, you know, Corvallis, uh, Eugene, all these. I, it's just fun to go there and talk to the students and the student-athletes. So that was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then I got to go back right after I shot everything and kind of produce and edit it and help put it all together. So that was really like, really a fulfilling job for me. After that, I went down to LA and, or I still was in LA doing that job. Then I also added some UCLA football to that. Then after that is when I came back up to Portland for a quick stint and I got to do the craziest of stuff. I, I did a horse racing, uh AAA baseball, which again, this not like, maybe not the most glamorous job in the world, but I loved it because it was something new and something different. Emerald Downs is where I got to go and I fell in love with kind of the, that scene there, all the people, they're just a, a wonderful family. And AAA baseball was a blast. Tacoma Rainiers just got to go to, like, it was beautiful. It was sunny out, and you got to go watch some baseball. And then that led me to my first NBA gig, which was with Indiana and in the Pacers. And I was there from 2010 to 2014, and that was great. I mean, I, I learned so much. I, I figured out exactly what it took to be a sideline reporter and, and host in the NBA. So that was where I really got my feet wet in terms of covering this sport. And then came back, as you guys know, worked at CSN, now NBC, for two years doing some shows. And finally back into the NBA on the sideline, which is just about the perfect job for me. I'm mean, here, I'm closer to home, covering an awesome team, awesome players, great coaches, and kind of living my dream right now. That was a long answer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you had mentioned that you your two of your favorite things it was basketball and telling people's stories. So... Uh, was, are there any type of specific stories you like telling the most like are there any do you like talking more about the game itself or do you like more getting more into the personal things with players
2: yeah that's a great question Um, I think it's a it's a it's a combination of both you kind of in my position, I think it's really important to show at times that you do definitely know the sport and you study it and you do your homework. So, in a broadcast, you'll hear probably you know one or two, maybe not every broadcast, but you hear something, maybe a stat from me or something that that's trending with the team in terms of X's and O's. Like maybe somebody's shooting more threes, or the entire team is shooting more threes. We talk about why and you know what's working and how guys are getting to their spots. And so, I like to be able to show. The fans uh, that I actually do know about basketball pretty much, I mean, ins and outs, you know, it's not just about telling the personal stories, but I love that part of it because especially with this team, because they are really great guys. And I can't say that about every team I've covered or every sport I've covered, but from top to bottom, they're funny. You know, some, some are funnier, some are more serious, some are more outgoing, some are more kind of introverted, but they're all good people. So I like being able to, honestly, sincerely show show Blazers fans that they are good people. So I I like to find interesting stories to tell so that they feel like they know them a little bit better rather than just watching them play on the floor, kind of the kind of people they are off the court. And that's so I like doing a little bit of both, but I will say I get to have a little more fun with my job and I get to seek out these kind of weird stories like Evan Turner having a semi in his pool. Like that is how (laughs) do people get to tell stories like that? (laughs) What
0: was one of your Welcome to the NBA moments. Um, You know how they always talk about that with players on the court, but I'm sure someone who's covering a team probably has those moments, too, where you're like, oh, I'm in covering the NBA now.
2: Well, it's funny. There's, like, one that would happen, like, during my actual job that I was like, okay, this is the big leagues where... It was, I was, it was someone. I, I, I usually would interview, like, I go to shoot-arounds and interview guys from, you know, other teams, too, if it was, if it was pertinent to our broadcast that night, and when I was in Indiana, I, I, I got to know the guys pretty well, where they, I had, you know, good rapport, and so I knew kind of the guys they were, if they'd have longer answers or shorter answers, but there was someone on another team, I won't say his name, because I like my job, <laughs> and I want to keep it still playing, but, um, I just figured everyone was cool, right? Like, I figured, well, the, we're the media. That, they'll answer our questions. They might not love it, but it's fine. Went up and asked a guy a question. That was just a normal, like, like, what do you think of, I think it was at that time, like, what do you think of the way Paul George has been playing when I was indie? And he looked at me and wouldn't, it just wouldn't answer. and just looked at me like, why would you ask? about the other team and I'm like well I mean I work I mean I didn't he didn't say anything I go well, I work for them it's just something we're going to show later and gave me another straight through my like eyes stare nothing and I just go okay good talk and walked away like, okay, so not everyone is, is, is as cool as the guys I've been covering. So that was kind of a weird moment, but it, it, it kind of set me up for things in the future where I talk to guys that didn't love being on camera so much, and I expected, if I didn't know them very well, I expected they could have very short answers and to be ready for question number two. Because, like, with, I talk to guys like Dame, He'll give me a thoughtful 30-second answer, and then I can ask something that, you know, his answer might spark a different question out of me. But some guys just don't like it, doing it at all. And that's fine, and I just have to be ready for question number two if the first answer is two words long, which has happened. And then my first, other, my other one that is kind of just like a wow, that I am—it's an exciting wow. I'm covering the NBA. Was the first time we played at that time. Indiana played uh, LeBron, and I mean, I'm not a starstruck person, really. I mean, you kind of you you stop being that if you are when you cover teams and you see these people all the time. But I remember walking by him in warmups. And look, being about five feet away and just, I could not believe how enormous this human being was like so huge from top to bottom, you know, right to left. I mean, he's just a, a huge human being. And I just looked at him like I had, I knew he was big, but he is, I, I, LeBron is an, just a specimen. He's huge. He's huge in his shoulders. So I just walked away going, oh my gosh. Yep. Welcome to the NBA. That was a great moment.
0: So cool. But how do you the 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 co- the person that I think's gotta be the hardest to ask a question of, and I could be wrong, but the one that would stress me out the most would be the coach. How do you choose what you're gonna ask the coach?
2: Well, I'll start by saying yes, uh, you're right that in most most teams, probably that is, except i I am so lucky that i have I have got. <laughs> Terry Stoss I mean I I thank him periodically throughout the year because he's so wonderful just like just so you know I'm really appreciative of of you and thank you for being so good to me I'll just like randomly say that he's like you're welcome Brooke I know but he's just fantastic and I adore him and I think he's a fantastic coach as well but you're right because the well first of all the coaches they get you know they have to the scrum you guys know that term where it's every reporter from each team beat writers um could be people internationally coming to do a random story but there's all these people talking to him at the same time and that's about 15 minutes after i interview him and i can hear it in my ear and there's crazy questions there's questions that aren't necessarily even accurate. And he is so patient and just answers all of them. I joked with him once. I was like, I I listen to every scrum, and every time someone asks you about the improved defense, it's amazing, because you answer it thoughtfully, pretty much word for word as you did the game before, but still, your patience is amazing. But for me, I want to make sure that, you know, I do my homework, like I said before, because I want to make sure I'm asking him something or, or leading him somewhere that not necessarily he hasn't been, or that he, he understands and realizes that I, I, I did some research on this. Like, I know the other team is a fast break team. So I'll say, you know, how do you defend a, a team like that? I don't, I don't want to just show up and be like, so what do you see in this Memphis team? Um, this guy's really good. How do you defend him? You know, I like to try to add a little bit of something where he, and I, and I hear him too at practices and shootarounds talk about the opposing team. And so sometimes I'll just have him elaborate on that. But you're right. Those are those are just the ones that I really want to make sure I, I've got right. And one one time, he call, well, he calls me out all the time. I mean, we have a lot of fun with that interview. He makes fun of me a lot, and that's my favorite thing. But one time, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, I asked him about ball movement and then a couple other questions. And then I remember that the assists were up. So I asked again, I asked about the rise in assists. He goes, didn't you just ask me that with ball movement? And I'm like, well, kind of. And, and then we had a good laugh at it, but other coaches might not be so forgiving. So I'm really lucky, but I do always make sure I'm prepared for that interview. Uh,
1: is there a figure in kind of sport media, whether it be basketball or another sport, um, like a women figure that you kind of look up to and you've um, kind of used as inspiration throughout your career?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a number of them um, throughout all of sport, but the two that I, and they're and it's different, the way I look up to them is different. The two that I think are just fantastic are Sage Steele and Michelle Beadle, but for different reasons. Um, Sage, I think, is so poised and professional, but at the same time, um, you can sense her personality and it, it shines through. I just think the camera just loves her. And, you know, she covered the NBA for quite some time and now is doing a few other things, but um, I thought she did a great job when she did, and I actually got the chance to meet her, and I told her so. And it was funny because she's from Indiana, and she came up to me, and I, knew, I heard she was in the building, and I was so excited to like find her and just tell her how great she is to me. And I feel a tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and it was her. She goes, "I had to find you to tell you my husband just loves you." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> surreal moment. What was the so story surreal that? <laughs> Yeah, that should, I probably should have given us the backstory of that. He, I hosted the pre and post in half and did sidelines. So I was, I'd was, i had a ton of FaceTime in Indiana. So people that watched you know, the games definitely knew who I was. And so he, he's a, just a diehard Pacers fan. So when he knew his wife was coming, he's like, oh, go introduce yourself to Brooke. Tell her, you know, she does a great job. But it was just so funny. I was like, okay, that's weird because I've been currently stalking you to tell you how much I love you. And so that was a special moment. I just think she's wonderful. And then Michelle Beadle is someone that, I have followed through all of the changes in her career. And now, of course, she's back covering the NBA. And she's one of the people I, I aspire to be like um, because I think it's a special skill when you can report and be professional but still be completely yourself. And, you know, you have your, your trade, not your trademarks, but, like, like I think my, I hate th- people throw the word brand around a lot. I don't really like that. But I think when people, I hope that when people see me, they think goofy a little bit you know, a little just kind of not relaxed, but I mean, I I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy my job so much that I just have fun and entertained by it. So I'd I, I like to think that I exude that because that's how much fun I'm having. And I just kind of go with the flow and just be myself. Like my girlfriends will watch and they're like, it's so weird. Like we're watching you. It's just like, that's how you normally are. I'm like, well, that's kind of what my, the goal. I mean, that's kind of what I would like. So. I think, I you mean, know, I hope, I hope I do that and I will continue to strive to do it, but it's, it's fun when you can watch someone and you, when they say something, you're like, oh, that's so that something that Michelle Beadle would say, like, that's so, her." and so I, I kind of, I look at her and think that I would like to, and I hope to, to kind of be like that.
0: One of the things, the more people that we talked about, talked to, uh, for this podcast, the more I am impressed at ex- how much multitasking Has to occur when you're uh, anyone who's covering sports, um, you know, is doing a million things and they're doing it quickly. They're often under a deadline. There's people talking to him and they're taking in all of these, you know, um, you know, all this information at once and trying to turn it around into something that everybody else can enjoy How do you um, balance your life out (laughs) when you have these intense, like, game? I mean, game days and being on the road, that must be so uh, intense for you. Like, what do you do for fun or just to kind of keep yourself balanced and, you know, sane during the NBA season?
2: Sure. No, it's... And I've told this to someone before, it's kind of lame, but I, I, I still watch a lot of other teams play basketball because we're not playing like the night before. I'll find a game. I have League Pass, so I'll watch that. But I'll tell you something, and I'm, it's, I'm glad you asked this because it's an opportunity for me to give a shout out to my coworkers and the people on our, my crew because, like you mentioned, so much time is spent on the road and, you know, you're away from your families. And it's, that's the, that is the downside. That's the bummer of um, the NBA season and the job itself is the travel. I mean, there are perks to the travel, but just being away from your family is, of course, the one downside for me. And so <clears throat> I am so lucky. That our crew, um, our producer, director, graphics, everyone in the truck—the term "the truck," as you guys know, the broadcast truck—the um, people that you travel with, and the PR staff for the team, the coaching staff—you, everyone on this crew—it's amazing. Like everybody gets along, and I'm not just saying that because it sounds good, you know. Or to, I, I, I trust me when I say that. It is truly like a family away from your own family. So we spend a lot of time together on the road. We'll, we'll go to dinners that, You know, when we get in. I mean, I always go to shoot around or practice when they have it. I, I don't miss those. And so I'll go with Casey Holdall, uh, Cody Sherritt, and my, my boss, our director, Jeff Curtin, he goes and shoots that. So we all go together. We get in an Uber. We go. We do that. And we, on the way back, do you guys want to go grab dinner? And then the rest of the crew will meet us for dinner. And like we watched, we watched all the football games last time because we were traveling for the first game and then we watched the second NFL game together. And that's just kind of standard. We, you know, there's some nights where you just feel gassed and you just want to go chill in your room and watch Netflix. And that is completely acceptable too. You know, there's usually one person that's like, I can't do it tonight. I'm just too tired. So, I mean, I've been guilty of that. Grab a movie and, and put it on my computer and then just go back and relax. And then do some notes but it's it's definitely something you have to balance because the season is a grind and i'm not even playing the sport of basketball i'm just covering the guys that do but you always hit a wall there's at some point you're going to get physically sick it's just part of it you expect it but i've been really lucky where i mean i can't imagine traveling with a group that I, I didn't love as much as i do because as i mentioned you spend as much time with them if not more than the people that you live with
0: <laughs> for sure I also love watching other teams play basketball because while I love the trailblazers, I take every game win and loss personally. And I really like to watch other teams play because it's really great to see that Russell Westbrook also misses dunks sometimes and LeBron misses shots and sometimes people miss defensive assignments. (laughs) So what, what other teams do you enjoy watching?
2: Well, I mean, I enjoy, like you mentioned, it's, it, it's kind of relaxing, isn't it? To watch two teams that yes. you're not, you know, you don't care that much. It's like therapeutic. Like, I I don't even really care who wins, but I'm excited just to watch it. Yeah, I feel that same way. Um, I like watching, well, I'm going to be completely brutally honest. Um, watching the Warriors sometimes irritates me. <laughs> so I can't, I mean, it's a beautiful brand of basketball, but we saw them so much last season. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so much. And I, I I I it feels I feel a little bit bad saying it, it it can wear on you to watch people have so much fun. But man, they have so much fun. Sometimes I'm like, oh my goodness, these guys, they're living the life. They have so much talent. You know, they they of course, of course, sell out every night at home. But um but they are very talented and I, I gotta give it up to them. But man, it just like seems like Everything's works out for them. It's
0: like watching the really popular kids at school, you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it is so true. And they're not jerks or anything. It's like the most, you know, you just have this like feeling like, oh, man, must be nice. Yes. Must be nice to be like that all the time. But um, I, I, I really enjoy watching um, the West. I, I enjoy watching Western, West Confer- Western Conference teams probably more because we see them more. And I know those players probably a little bit better. But it's always fun to see, you know, elite teams in the East, too. I mean, I've been jo- really enjoying watching Boston this season. Um, they're kind of a feel-good story with uh, Gordon Hayward, as you guys know, with injury to him. And they still have continued to play at a really high level. And they're a great defensive team. And so that's that's been fun. I've enjoyed watching that. That's a good storyline. And uh, Miami's playing well. Um, Cleveland is, is going through something right now. Um, I don't know if we'll pull out of it, but... There's, it's there, as you guys know, there's been no lack of drama in the NBA this season, especially in the, like the past week. It's been wild. It's like a soap opera, and I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except for the injuries, I don't want to say that. Except for the injuries, but NBA's. I mean, that's what I tell people, and you know, you guys kind of you remember, um, Kendall. I don't know how old you are. You're probably too young, but. Terry, you remember that when um when the nba was kind of ew like people didn't you know i we always were nba fans but the rest of the world kind of thought it was you know it wasn't as high class as the nfl and the the fan the fandom was down and i dare i dare people i say if you don't watch the nba just give your give yourself a chance watch a couple games and you will come around because it is in my opinion the most exciting professional sport right now
1: mhm i agree are there other players? Are there any players on other teams that you look forward to interviewing because they're just like really great with interviews? Or like, are there any teams when you when they come and play the Blazers, you're just like, oh, good, like this is the this is a really good team to talk to, or sure. anything like that?
2: Yeah, let me think. Um, well, you know, S- Steph Curry is a good interview. I mean, he's he's kind of like Dame in the way that he's very accessible. Some stars and some even some players that I wouldn't even consider the star on their own team. Are aren't very open with the media and won't even allow media time sometimes. So, got to give it up to Steph for for being for being like that because he I guess he could if he didn't want to be. You know what I mean? I mean he's one of Mm -hmm. the best you know the best player. Um. So that is that's something I appreciate. Um. For me, I, I I enjoy running into guys I used to cover that's just a probably a, you know a personal answer like uh, Paul George I always look forward to seeing him Lance Stevenson as crazy as he is um, will give you a good answer because he's just he's, <laughs> just he's just wild um, some guys that are around league still like Jan Mihimi, I see him I just I just adore him George Hill um, the same so I look forward to seeing guys that I that I knew well and you know I can catch up with so that's kind of fun I'm trying to think of guys in particular that are really fun to talk to um, Well, like some coaches, like Dwayne Casey, I could talk to for hours. I think he's fantastic. He is so fun and just inviting and just, I adore him. Steve Kerr is another, I know you didn't ask about coaches, but I'm just throwing it in. (laughs) Steve Kerr is great. I really enjoy him. And he's, gosh, he's just an open book too and pretty darn funny. (laughs) And uh, Nate McMillan, you guys know him. Um, I, I always enjoy talking to him as well. He's, you know, more serious. He's not as, as I guess, outgoing as the, the other two, but he's always very, very sweet and kind to me. So I like talking to him. But I got to tell you, I mean, all the guys that I talk to, I just continue to feel lucky with, with the guys that are on the Trailblazer squad because they are all very accessible and different, but, um, but very good to me.
0: Did you cover Indiana when Evan Turner was there before, uh, you know, that he was there very briefly before he went to Boston Ah. and then he came to Portland?
2: Yes, I definitely did. So it was funny because, like you mentioned, he wasn't there all that long. So I didn't get to know him nearly as, nearly as well as I know him now. <laughs> he and I have been through some weird incidents together where fate had us meet on a freeway separate from the other truck Yeah, story. you should
0: actually tell that story because not all of our listeners are uh, Portland Trailblazer fans. I would, can you tell the story about what happened on the side of the road, which fortunately everybody turned out okay?
2: Yeah, I never get sick of telling the story. So uh, it was after a practice and Evan and I, well, I live downtown. Um... And so does he. Most of the rest of the guys uh, live closer to the practice facility. but so I left and I was driving down the freeway about three minutes away from home. I mean, I, I was downtown at, the, at this point, and I look up and this there's a car in front of me, and the, there's a white van in front of in front of it. And it obviously slammed on its brakes to, to avoid hitting the car in front of him did a complete 180 so he was facing the car behind him which was in front of me and they they have a head on collision right on the- yeah and so i i had enough space between me and the car where i slammed on my brakes and was not a part of it but smoke billowing um clearly there's probably you know it wasn't good so i pulled off i went around them and pulled off to the side of the freeway and went to check the guy had hopped out of the van he was okay so I went to check on the car, and then it was a young lady who the, the the airbag had gone off. She was definitely confused and shocked. Uh, she she couldn't really couldn't even really like speak. So I had her sit down, and she was trying to get up. I'm like, no, 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 sit, stay, stop, stop, don't move, please, don't move. Let's wait till I'm so I'm telling her to stop moving, and she's kind of like I said in shock. So she's trying to stand up, and I'm kind of holding her down with one arm, on the phone with my other hand, calling nine one one. So they say they're on their way. And so I'm just kind of trying to calm her down. And all of a sudden, I hear, Hey, need some help. And I turn around and it's Evan Turner in his Rolls Royce on the side of the freeway, which that's the closest I've ever been to a Rolls Royce and ever will be. And, and so it was hilarious. I mean, not hilarious at the time. I can say it's hilarious now. But he walks up. I was like, E.T., hi. He's like, Need some help? I was like, yeah, could you just, he's like, here, and he just went down and grabbed her, like, helped her up and moved her into his car, because she was so, she was very set on getting out of her car, which I can understand. So he put her in the passenger side of the Rolls Royce, while I'm talking to the paramedics that had just arrived. They come they come over, they start talking to her, Evan's sitting in the car, then I sit in the car, we take turns, like, chatting with her to try to, you know, keep her keep her settled down, and at one point, I go to talk, to give a statement to the police officer. And she's sitting in the car and before I left I said, hey, d- just curious, now that I knew she was okay, she was like, she was talking to me and she was fine and she, she just was more scared than anything. I said, now that we know you're good, I just have to ask you, do you know you're in a Rolls-Royce owned by one of the trailblazers? And she's like, oh my God, my dad loves the blazers. <laughs> <laughs> so I told her that, I get up to go talk to the police. I come back, Evan's on the phone with her dad saying your daughter's okay and this is Evan Turner. It, yeah, and then just to just to tie a bow on it, I kept in touch with her and made sure she was okay, and then she came to a game uh, soon after that, and yeah, they, they, there was a few stories on her, and she's on the news, there's an article about her, and it, Evan was so funny. In perfect Evan Turner form, in some interviews he did, he's like, well, I mean, I have a pretty, you know, everybody knows my car, so I'd feel like a real jerk if Brooke just saw me drive by and I didn't stop <laughs> So that was a that was a funny moment, and Evan's just fantastic. I'm I, he's just raw. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no, there isn't any there's no censorship, and sometimes I have to let him know that we need a little censorship so this can go on air. But uh, he will. He's always good for a laugh, and he's he's just naturally funny. He's not even trying. He's one of those people that just why you're laughing because he doesn't realize he said anything funny. But he's a he's a hoot, and I always enjoy talking to him.
0: He seems like he's the kind of person that things just always happen to. Like after that, you know, a month later, two months later, a semi truck drove into or into his
2: pool. Yes. And when he was back with, I think it was Philly. There was a huge, I think it was Philly, maybe Boston. I think it was Philly. He, uh, there was a huge story where he ran out of gas on the freeway and p- people taking pictures of him walking down the highway with a, with an oil can. I'm like, w-? and so like I said, like, what is up with you? He's like, I'm telling you, Brooke, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. It's just going to happen to me. And so he says the same thing. And I hope weird things keep happening to him because they they make for great television. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Well, uh, thank you for joining us uh, tonight, Brooke. I know you're actually in the, on, a, on a small break. Uh, the Blazers have three days off and you're maybe have a little bit of time to yourself.
2: So we have this time off and then I don't know if you looked ahead enough or no, but the game down in L.A. is on TNT, which means that's an exclusive broadcast. So the broadcast team isn't even flying with the team tomorrow. So we get an additional day off. But I, I look at that as, I, I'm like that, I think I mentioned it before, like the scorned ex-girlfriend whenever it's a TNT game, it's like watching my boyfriend on another date for like three hours, you know? <laughs> I just wish I was there. But it's okay. It's it's nice to recharge. And I'll watch the game and, and then we'll we'll have a game here the following day against the Bulls and I'll be back in action. But it's nice to have a few days, like kind of get organized and just, you know, go get your nails done, maybe your hair, things that you do can't do during the season usually. Oh, so, how can people find your work? Well, you can watch games um, on NBC Northwest. You can, and that, that, I'm on the pregame show that starts at six thirty. Uh, the tip off, the Toyota tip off show with Jordan and Michael, and I'm at the top of that uh, with a hit on um, on my coach's interview that I throw to the, my interview with Coach Stotts. And then I, we also do a pick to click segment where um, there's some sort of topic, and we all you know guess who's going to win, and we we discuss that. So those two hits are at 6.30, and the game starts at 7. I'm always doing a Gatorade courtside report in that first segment of the Open, and then I hit the first quarter, some halftime stuff, and whenever things unfold, I'm ready for a voiceover. And then my favorite part of the whole night is the post-game winning interview. interview. That's my favorite. And then um, I'm on Twitter, just at Brooke Olsendam, and and Instagram, which I was late to the Instagram game, so I'm still trying to – Get that down, but that's the same at Brookles and Dam as well. But I try to tweet, um, and I, I tweet more than I Instagram. But I've been told I need to get better at the gram, so I'm 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 trying. Every game day, you'll at least see one. So give me some time, but uh, I'm I'm trying. You know, two 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 social medias is is tough enough, and then I don't I never know which one you which one should I put this picture on. But so I'm on those two as well.
0: Well, thanks so much for being with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the What Podcast. Huge thanks to our guest, Brooke Olsendam. Thank you so much for joining us. It was really fun to talk to her. If you like this podcast and you want to hear more, go ahead and sign up for the Blazer's Edge podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, and twice a month, you'll get a What Podcast episode in that feed. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoops and Talks. And we just started a new Gmail account. So if you want to get a hold of us, email us at hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. We would love to hear your questions, uh, get feedback. And even if you have some guests that you might want to recommend for us, we would love to hear from you. I'm Tara at TCB Biggs on Twitter. Kendall is at Kendall Bennett 16. Go ahead and tweet at us, share this episode if you like it and help us spread the word because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to elevate the voice of women in basketball and we are so glad that you tuned in to join us this week. Thanks and we'll catch you in a couple weeks.